This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, we've been talking about peace in troubled times. And, uh, you know, there's an old uh, hymn. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but uh, it's called It Is Well With My Soul. And uh, let me just read you the words to that. And if you know the story about the song, Stephen Richer, or somebody during the Chicago fire, he lost a lot of his financial kinds of stuff because everything was built back in them days in wood. And uh, so he sent his wife and four daughters somewhere, England or somewhere, to go to a phenomenal retreat, a session, revival meeting of some kind with D.L. Moody. And uh, as they went, he had to stay back for a couple of days because of financial situations that he had gone through uh, with this fire. So he was going to follow him back a couple of days. Anyhow, he got a, a telegraph when... You know, he was able to get one, and it just said, his wife says two words, saved alone. There was a, a, a shipwreck out at sea, and his four daughters had died, you know, and she was the only one who survived. And then he got aboard the first ship he could to meet her, uh, you know, in some part of the world over there. And uh, as they went over that part of the ocean where his daughters drowned, you know, he began thinking about God and his word, and these words came to him. This is where this hymn was originated at. And it says, and we're talking about peace and troubled times. He surely had some troubled times. A fire that took all of his finances away and half of the city. Anyhow, he started off with, when peace. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and have shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll, and the trumpet shall resound in the dead. The Lord shall descend at this time. Even so, it is well with my soul when we'll all be back together with our loved ones again one day. Anyhow, it is a phenomenal old hymn. It is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 18 says, Oh, that you had listened to my commandments. This is God talking. Oh, that you would listen... Oh, that you have listened to my commands, then you would have had, what's that word? Peace. Oh, that you would have listened to my commands, then you would have had peace flowing 
like a gentle river and righteousness. And righteousness is talking about being right with God. And then it says, peace flowing like a gentle river, rolling like waves. And I can picture that we're in the presence of Almighty God, you know, and he talks about rolling like waves. I can see we'll be surfing with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You don't think Jesus can surf? He created this stuff in the first place. He can stand up on it. He doesn't need a board to do it, you know? But he did say, oh, that you had listened to my commands. There's instruction here that changes our world, changes our lives. Then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling like waves, you know? We, we lose our peace, you know, with God through sin. L listen to what it says here in Job chapter 22, verse 21. This is awesome. It says, stop quarreling with God. Exclamation mark. Stop quarreling with God. If you agree, that means to be of the same mind and the same opinion with God, and, and, and that happens as we spend time in this book and we start thinking the way he thinks. And he says, stop quarreling with God. If you agree with him, you will have peace. What's that say? At last. Some people looking for peace in all kinds of places, and it continues to elude them. But he says, stop quarreling with God. If you agree with him, you will have peace at last and things will go well for you. I want things to go well with me. You want things to go well with you? You guys want things to go well with you? <laughs> oh, absolutely we do, you know? And see, Jesus removes our sins, and he gives us his peace, and things will go well for us. It's something really that God does, but we must get in agreement with him, be in harmony with him. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, but he, and this is, you know, prophetic, this is talking about Jesus, but he was wounded and crushed for our sins. And I don't know if, have you ever watched the movie, The Passion? You know, it's a tough movie to watch. But if you can watch it, it is the most biblical, accurate, you know, of what Jesus, of him being wounded and crushed, so you and I could have peace, and you and I could be whole. It's the most biblically accurate thing I have ever seen is biblically accurate what he went through before he went to the cross. So I challenge you, if you can find it this week somewhere along the line, watch it. It, it really uh, it helps us see the price that was paid for you and I to have peace. And it says here, but he was wounded and crushed for our sins. <laughs> he was beaten that we might have peace. And that word peace. Peace, look it up. Studying out. That word peace means wholeness. It means body as well as soul. And, and, and as well as your, your mind and your thinking faculties and all your emotions. He's talking about wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. He says here, he, Jesus, was beaten that we might have peace, that we might have a wholeness. And I'm going to tell you something. When you got peace, the real peace, anxiety, Worry, fear, it don't bother you no more. It don't pull you down no more. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. He's forgiven us. And that is, that's enough right there, to be honest with you. He's done so much more than that, but He has forgiven us, you know. 
And every one of us have the ability to receive this forgiveness. Listen to what it says here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. It says, let the peace that comes from Christ... And see, um, there's an inner calm of one who walks every day with Jesus. When you walk every day with Jesus, there's an inner calm no matter what goes on in the world around about you. There's something that happens inside when you walk close with Jesus on a daily basis. There's a calm no matter what goes on in the world around about us. But it says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule, means control, means to, to govern your hearts. Now the Amplified Bible Classic says it this way, may that peace act as umpire. Now we need to take another time and dig into that a little bit deeper. But it says, let that peace that comes from Christ act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all the questions that arise in your minds. Let the peace act as an umpire. He's the one who says, that's dangerous. He's the one who says, okay, this is good. Let's go there. You know, the peace that passes all understanding to be our umpire. John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, but to all. Now, what percentage would you think that all is? Okay, you guys haven't forgotten. Okay. But to all who believed him, to all who believed him, but to all who believed him and accepted him. There's two ingredients here. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. There's two ingredients here to receive the forgiveness of Almighty God and become part of his family, and that's where the peace comes in. And we must believe that he came. Yes, we believe it. We believe in Christmas and Jesus came to the world, you know, joy to the world. The Lord has come. We believe that he gave his life, you know, and he, he showed us by example. We believe that Jesus was crucified, you know, and we believe that he rose from the dead. So belief in his importance, that's, that's the first part. And he says here, but to all, that's 100%, who believed him and accepted him. So it's just like me offering you a $100 bill and saying, here, first one up here, and I don't have a $100 bill on me at the moment because Susan has my wallet. And I don't even think I have one in there if she give me my wallet back. But if I say, hey, I'm going to give a $100 bill to the first person up here, you know, the ushers would probably grab you and say, you can't do that. You know, maybe. I don't know. But if you believed it and you came up here, what would I do? I'd give you the $100 bill. But I would offer it to you, but you'd still have to do what? You'd have to reach out and accept it as your own. So it's the same thing with you and me. You know, in our relationship with God, he says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. We've got to believe in him and what he says, and we've got to accept him, receive him into our life. Just believing that it's offered to us, well, that's pretty good, but when you reach out and you receive it and accept it and it becomes yours, that's when transformation comes about. And, and it continues on. It says, they are reborn. The people who believe and receive Verse 13 says they are reborn. Not with a physical birth, you know, like you see when your, your, your families are having babies and all. They're reborn, but not with a physical birth, but a birth that comes from God. A spiritual birth. Transformation. 
You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. All the old things have passed away. Everything has become new. Now, I have uh, um, shared this concept, I'm sure, with you a couple of times over the years. If I can find this here. What's it say? People don't believe. People don't receive. And if we have no God in our life, you know, what happens? There's no peace. If you have no God, there is no peace. That's just the way it is. And then we take it that step further. And you can, you can, you can know him. You can know him. I'm telling you, and the older I get, the better I get to know him. It is awesome. You can know God in a real way. And you can know the peace that passes all understanding that no matter what happens in this old world, and it could be bad, it just don't rock your world because of who's in you and who's with you and who is calling all the shots. That's, that's for sure. Anyhow, I will give you a, a passage here. Well, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, what's his first two words? Let me see. Huh? I'm not sure if I got those done. My, my uh, artistic wife. There we go. What does it say? What goes after that? Be happy, right? <laughs> You're not old enough, I reckon, okay? There was a song once upon a time that says, Don't worry. Be happy. But you know what? I don't want to be happy. And, and let me explain that for just a moment because happiness depends upon what happens. Something bad happens in our world. I'm unhappy. Something good happens. What? I'm happy. But I do want to be joyful. Joyful has nothing to do with happiness. You can be full of joy. You know? You can be full of joy and not worry. But you're putting your whole trust in the almighty God. And no matter what goes on in this world, yet while I rejoice, and it cha God changes things for you. Anyhow, don't worry. Be joyful. That's better than just being happy. That's basing your, your, your uh, excitement on what happens, you know. Anyhow, it says don't worry. And that's talking about the word anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't fret. Don't be concerned. Don't be troubled. Don't be bothered. Don't lose sleep over this stuff. Now, we've read these passages before. But he says, don't worry about any of this kinds of stuff. Don't worry about, what's that word? Now, what percentage is anything? Is there anything that God allows you to worry about? Zero. Nothing is, 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 is bad enough for you and I to worry about. So he says, don't worry about anything. No matter which things come into your life, don't worry about it. That's what he's saying. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Every. Every. Now, what percentage is everything? We should pray about everything. Anything that concerns you at all. Anything that gets your attention at all. Anything that you're thinking about or you're dealing with at all. You should pray about it. You should invite God into the picture. So says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And here's the part that some people forget. You know, my wife busted me last week when I got home. 
because I kept doing like this. So we're going to put a chain on you. You're supposed to stay behind that thing there. So y'all can throw things at me if I get too far out here to remind me, okay? Now, what was I talking about? Anyhow. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Be specific. Do you have a specific need? Say, oh, God, I have needs. Please meet them. Amen. You know something? If you ask and say, God, I need $39.28, and all of a sudden there's some miraculous something that gives you that exact amount, do you know who gave it to you? That was a God thing. If you have specific needs, did you know you can talk to God about them? And you're going like, oh, I don't know. I know. Whatever your specific situation is, tell God about it. And he says, tell him. That's after he said pray. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And then it says, tell God what you need. That's what he says here. Tell God what you need. And then <laughs> thank him for all. 100% of everything he's ever done for you, you can thank him. So we can spend the rest of our life. Now, does anybody here pray on a regular basis? If I was asked you to come up here and pray right now, would you be able to do that? So I'm going to ask you to come up here and pray. Is that okay? Now, you, you know, Susan, she joins me up on the mountain every Sunday morning at 630, and we pray for you guys. And every other need, that comments are sent to us live, and we pray right there. But I would like you, if you don't mind, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but just to demonstrate what the Scripture says, don't worry about anything, you know? Instead of worrying, pray about everything. Be specific, tell God what you need, and then thank Him for all He's done. Can you just demonstrate that for us? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you tell us in your word that we can come boldly to your throne of grace and we could obtain mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Yes, Lord. Father, our nation is in a time of need right now. Yes, it is. Father, we're in a time of need for healing. Father, for healing of our bodies, for healing of our spirit, for healing of our souls. Father, for healing of relationships. Yes, Lord, Lord, we are in a great time of need right now in our nation. And Father, we just ask that you would intervene. Father, yes, we ask Lord. that you would give our leaders wisdom, oh God. You said yes. to pray for those that are in authority yes. over you, that you would live peaceable lives. And Father, our, our country's not at peace right now because they've shut you out. Yes, and Father, Lord. we just ask that you would send a revival yes, amongst Lord. your believers, Father, those that are yes, your family, Father. and you would send an awakening amongst those that don't know you. Yes, Lord. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would move in the hearts of those that have turned their backs on you. Yes, And, Lord. Father, that you would draw them unto yourself by your Holy Spirit. Yes, Father. Lord, you said in your word that it is your will that all would be saved, that yes, none Father. would perish, but That's that right. all would come to the knowledge of the truth. Yes. Father, people aren't wanting to hear truth these days. But, Lord, we just ask that your truth would penetrate their yes, hearts. Yes, Lord. And their minds. Their and Father, the, the, the deceptions and the things that have blinded yes. people, Father, would be gone. And Father, instead, mm. that your truth would prevail. And Father, you said that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. free. Yes. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness that yes. you have, you're bringing us through this. 
you're bringing us through this troubled time yes, together. Father, that we're not alone, that we have you That's and right. we have one another. And Father, yes, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Father, that you've protected yes. us, that you've you've kept us safe, oh God, in yes. so many ways, and you've provided. Father, yes. continually, Lord, you have provided. Father, we ask that you would give us wisdom as we would continue to move forward. Yes, you said Lord. if we lack it, we can ask you for it That's and you give you it said. to us. And yes. we believe it. We receive it. Yes, in Lord. Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. And you know, how long would it take us to thank God for all the things he's done? The rest of our life. Thank you, dear. Because he's doing something for us every day. When we wake up and you feel yourself moving around, it's like, I'm still here on planet Earth, you know, and your eye pops open, you can see and smell and hear and taste, and there's just everything that's good in this old world. It's from God, and we can thank him for it. We surely can. There's so much we have. But that's what he tells us here. And then, after hearing that, listen to what he says. Now, that was Philippians 4, verse 6. Now, let's read verse 7. It says, if, and we understand, we've talked about it before, this is a conditional word. If, if you do something, something will happen. If you don't do it, something ain't going to happen, you know. He says, if you do this, if you don't worry and you pray about everything, you know, you tell him what you need, and you thank him for all the good things he's done for you. He says, if you do this, you, what's that next word? Well, no, it's not that way. It's this way. Will! You understand, that's the way that word's supposed to be read, okay? This is a positive and a powerful and a creative kind of a word, you know? He says, if you do this, you will... This is positive. Not well, maybe. I hope so. No. If you do this, if you pray, you don't worry about anything. You pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and then you thank Him for all the good stuff He's done for you. If you do this, you will experience, you will encounter God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand, and His peace will guard the peace that we're reading about right here is a fully armed guard sent to protect you. And his name is Peace, okay? That's what his name is. He's a fully armed guard to protect your, your heart. That's the core of your being and to protect your mind, you know. So let me read one more time. If you'll do this, you will experience, you will encounter God's Peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in relationship with Christ Jesus. And that's a promise. Are you battling, wrestling in the area of your heart, your mind, you know? He said he's going to protect it. He's going to guard it, is what he says. Fully armed, he's going to protect your heart, and he's going to protect your mind. Now, so... What happens if we do worry and we don't pray? Well, you, ain't, you, and, you and Mr. Peace ain't going to be that close. He ain't going to be guarding you as he wants to do. I don't know if you remember this old song. Oh, it's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite old songs. And it was called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. This is an old song, but it's dear and dear to my heart. And let me just read you the words to it real quickly. It says... What a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and our griefs 
to bear. All because all of our sins and griefs. He says, all because we do not carry, we bear these things. Let me start over. What a friend we have in Jesus. And all of our sins and griefs we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. See, prayer makes a difference. When you pray about things, all those burdens, you have any burdens you brought in tonight? All those burdens that you're carrying that weigh you down physically and financially, relationally and, and mentally and all those things, those things, you don't have to carry those things, you know? You can leave them here today. And, and Jesus will take care of all that stuff, you know? He really will. But what a friend we have in Jesus, all of our sin. And, and Greece, we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace. Oh, what, that's what we've been reading about in the Bible. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. We just give it up. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything. What percentage is everything again? Because we don't carry 100% of our burdens to God in prayer. Oh, it's a fantastic old hymn. There's a lot more to it than that. But those principles are true. What peace we, we, we don't have because we don't pray. We worry instead. And he says, don't worry about anything, but pray. Instead, tell God what you need. Then thank him for all that he's done. And then he's going to send peace that is a fully armed warrior. He's going to protect you. He's going to protect your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. As we go on there in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, And now, dear friends, let me, and this is Paul speaking, Apostle Paul, And now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Now, this is kind of where we ended last week, you know. And he says, Fix your thoughts. Now, I don't know. Well, if I hold my breath real quick, can I walk out there just for a second? <gasps> Okay, that's awesome. There's two nails there. Does anybody remember me putting them two nails there last week? I took my hatchet, and these great big, oh, big old nails, and, and I fixed them there. And, and, and they will not ever fall out of there accidentally when someone's sweeping or mopping. I don't even know if you can get them out of there if you tried to on purpose, you know. They are secure there. They are fixed. They are attached. They're not going to move. Not easily, ever, at all. And the scripture says, And now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts. <laughs> now, it's not talking about they're broken, but we do need to fix our broken thoughts, you know. But he's talking, he says, Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is... Give me the next word. Honorable. Fix your thoughts on what is... Right. Fix your thought. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Did you, did you hear that? Oh, fix your thoughts on these things. And that's how you fix your thoughts on them. You attach yourself to whatever is true and honorable and right and, and, um, uh, Think about the pure and the lovely and the admirable and the excellent and the worthy of, of praise. Now, see, these things, uh, do I have that here? 
Maybe I do. Let me see here. Yes. That's those words right there. You see, there's eight of those. And you know what? I am so sorry. I got running around looking for stuff I couldn't find at home before I came. And I meant to bring my water filter. You know, if any outdoors person who goes up in the mountains for any length of time has got methods, and I have multiple methods, but I have a water purifier. It kills everything. It's the one that the uh, military uses. It's the one the missionaries use in other countries. It kills everything that's bad, every pathogen, every germ, and you can just pump water out of a mud hole. You know, wherever it is, it can be stagnant pool, but that filter purifies the water, and you can drink it. It ain't going to hurt you, and I meant to bring it here. I'll do that another time. But this here, this is a filter. This is eight, eight levels, you know, eight com different parts of a filter. And every thought that comes into your mind, is it true? If it ain't true, don't think about it. I hear there's a lot of false communication that goes on in this world nowadays, you know. We don't really watch television. Well, I don't think we have one, do we? No, we don't watch too much of that kind of stuff even on our computers and all. But if, if it ain't true, don't think about it. If it ain't honorable, don't think about it. If it ain't right, don't think about it. If it ain't pure, don't think about it. If it's not lovely, don't think about it. If it's not admirable, don't think about it. If it's not excellent, don't think about it. If it's not worthy of praise, don't think about it. This is a filter. And all the thoughts that go through our mind, we, we need to filter all that stuff that's opposite of this. We just need to filter it out. We need to filter it out. And the peace of God, you know, will protect us. In all aspects of our life, he will protect us genuinely. And that's why these, the scripture is right here when he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So think on those things. Can you choose not to think on something? You can. That's your choice, what you think about. You can choose. You Absolutely, that's your choice, you know. So what we want to do, of everything that I drink, now when I'm on the mountain, I can boil my water. I have some things you can put in the water to disinfect it, you know, things like that. But I've, I've got a, a katahdin. It's the pocket katahdin. It's, it's a thing that's made out of ceramic. It's one of the best. It's been impregnated with silver. It kills all germs, all pathogens of every kind. You know, it really does. And anything I drink is going to come through that filter, you know. And I drink out of swamps, and I, when I'm up on the mountain up there, there's not a lot of flowing rivers on the top of a mountain, you know. But there is water. But I filter all the bad stuff, all the impurities out. And we do well, you know, even though we're drinking what other people couldn't drink, you know, because we filter all the impurities out. And that's what we need to do with our thoughts. If you want to have peace in troubled times, you got to filter out all these eight things, you know, the opposites of these eight things. You got to filter the, the impurities out so they don't get a hold of you. Run everything through these eight filters, you know, because the filters, they do take out all the impurities there. So if it doesn't make it through all eight, and it can't, well, well, it's true. Well, that's okay. No, no. It's got to be true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. It's got to go through all the filters, not just one of them. You know, well, it's true, but it sure ain't lovely, and it ain't right, and it ain't, oh, no. 
if you're going to think and spend time dwelling on anything, you've you got to run all those thoughts through these eight filters that God has given us in His Word. That's just what He tells us. It shouldn't be in your mind. It shouldn't be in your heart otherwise. Using these filters welcomes peace. Who is your security guard? Who's going to guard your heart and, and your mind? You know. Now, here's a good question. Can your movies and your TV programs and your music and your books and your internet searches pass through these filters? If they can't pass through these filters, you should not be thinking on any of those things because it's impure and it will pull you down. It won't do you good. So that's a question we must ask ourselves, you know. And then he says in verse 9, he says, keep putting into practice. Practice makes perfect, right? Anybody disagree with that, just raise your hand. Don't say that. I mean, if you disagree. I disagree with my own self. Because I learned this quite a few years ago, but it's the truth. It's perfect practice makes perfect. You understand what I'm saying? How many of you have practiced something, but you, you practice your golf swing wrong? You, you practice how to hit your tennis ball wrongly, and people say, where in the world did you learn how to do that? Well, so-and-so, well, that's the wrong way to do it. So you can practice things the wrong way, can't you? So perfect practice makes perfect, and God has given us a lot of texts. He's always sending us texts, you know, and he shows us how to do things in a fantastic, perfect way. But he says here in verse 9, he says, keep putting into practice, keep putting into practice all that you learned. This is what Paul said. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned, okay, from me, and all that you've heard from me, and all that you saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Just keep practicing. Just keep practicing it. Just applying it. You know, be, be active in applying the things that you're learning. Uh, there's a doctor uh, said the average person has around 200 negative thoughts a day. Worries, jealousies, insecurities, and forbidden cravings. Around 200. Depressed people have around 600 negative thoughts a day. And you go, oh, man, I didn't know I was depressed, you know. But think about this. You can't eliminate all the thoughts that come to your mind, but you can determine which ones stay there. You know how? Filter them. Filter them. If I take you up on the mountain and I'm over there drinking me a great big old tall glass of water and you're so thirsty and there's only a mud hole over there, are you going to drink the mud hole water? You might, but you're going to ask me, can you use my filter first? And then you're going to have nice clear water that's going to be safe for you. And we need to filter out all the impurities that's trying to get in us. And there's, they say, about 200 impurities that tries to get into the average person. And there's about 600 impurities that's trying to get into us that ain't quite average. You know what I'm saying? You know. And, and the filter... I have a, a filter. It's a Katahdin filter. It, I'm getting back. I, I understand. Okay. Uh, if, if it will filter 20,000 gallons just on that filter before I have to replace the
the ceramic thing in there. So that's, that'll last me a couple of days, I think. Don't you think so? It'll last a good long while. And God's Word, it'll last us from now until we see Him face to face to filter out all the impure stuff that tries to hurt us because it will try to hurt us. If you drink that muddy water, if you there's all kinds of giardia and there's all kinds of germs I can't even pronounce that's in the water pockets up on the top of that mountain. But I can, you know, filter them. Anyhow, listen to what it says here. In Mark chapter 4, verse 37, it says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. What do you think it was filling with? Water! So this storm was rising up there, and it's beating against the side of the boat, and, and the boat is already filling. Verse 38, but when, but he, talking about Jesus, was in the stern. Does anybody know what part of the boat that is? That's the backside of the boat. But he was in the stern. And uh, I brought all my stuff or not. I forgot my backpack that all that stuff kind of stays in. But uh, you know what Jesus was doing in the back of the boat there? I don't know if he had one of these or not. You know what this is, right? And they tell you you sleep better on a pillow. And that lots of times the reason you don't sleep good somewhere is because you don't have a pillow. But Jesus was sleeping on a very nice, I'm sure it's a nice comfortable pillow. He was sleeping. Can you imagine sleeping in the back of a boat during a massive windstorm? You know, he made the wind. He made the sea. He made all the sea creatures. He wasn't afraid of nothing. Why should he be, you know? And it says here, verse 38, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillar. He was tired from the activities of the day, preaching all over the place, healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out demons. He was just physically tired because he chose to have a body just like ours. And it says, and they, the disciples, they awoke him. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, hey, 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 Jesus, pay attention to us. And they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I'm going to tell you something. Anybody ask a question like that, just don't know him. Jesus cares about every one of you. He cares about every little thing. It says he knows how many hairs on your head. He probably knows how many hairs in my beard too. He knows everything, and he cares about us. And they were saying, Lord, don't you care? We're going to perish, you know. Think about that. We're going to perish. I don't think so. Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind. Jesus, he spoke to the wind. Now, I mean, that wind is coming from who knows how many miles away he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, he spoke to the ocean. Now how big is the sea? How many miles does that go? The left and right and up and down. And But it says, and he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, he said, Jesus spoke to the water out there, he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind, it just ceased. There was a great calm. If he can 
calm the storm at sea. He can calm the storm of your soul and the storm of your mind. He can calm it. He wants to. It's provided. We just got to believe and receive what He has made provision for already. Verse 40 goes on to say, But He said to them, Why are you so fearful? Oh, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He told you something, a very important secret right there, that faith is the cure for fear. Faith will cast fear out. Anxiety cannot live when a man chooses I'm going to agree with God. I'm going to get in agreement and in harmony with what God says. I'm going to believe what He says and fear can no longer have any place to hang around. Verse 41 goes on to say, And they feared exceedingly and they said one to another, Who can this be? This guy in the back of our boat that even the wind and the sea obey Him. Everything obeys Jesus. Everything obeys Him. But the wind and the sea surely obeyed him. And, and you just think about what he's always telling his disciples there. See, peace is not the absence of fear, you know, but peace is the presence of Jesus. Jesus was in the boat. And they said, hey, Jesus, peace be still. Wind settled down, waves calmed down. Who is this man in our boat? You know, they didn't quite figure it out quite yet. But I'm telling you, the presence of Jesus. Because if I'm not mistaken, he's referred to as the Prince of Peace. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it says, God blesses those who work for peace. I'm going to give me a sign, standing out there on the side of the interstate. We'll work for peace. Have you ever seen a, we'll work for food or we'll work for rent or whatever? And I've helped a lot of those people out, you know. But it says we'll work for peace. Man, are we doing our part to help us have peace? Are we filtering our thoughts? That's work. i got to work for peace. And, and that's what he's saying right here. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Oh, wow. They're, they're peacemakers. There's a story told about a small dog which had been struck by a car and was laying by the side of the road, a doctor driving by noticed that the dog was still alive. He stopped the car, picked up the dog, took him home with him. And there he discovered that the dog had been stunned, had suffered a few minor cuts and abrasions, but was otherwise all right. He revived the dog, cleaned him up, cleaned all the wounds up, and was carrying the animal out of the house to his garage where he had a nice place to fix up for him when suddenly... The little dog jumped from his arms and scampered off. What an ungrateful little dog, the doctor said to himself. He thought no more about the incident until the next evening when he heard a scratching at the door. When he opened the door, there was a little dog that he had treated with another hurt dog. Hmm. That one herd dog who found some love and some care went and got a friend dog that was hurt and brought him to meet the one who cared for him. Oh, my. If a little dog would share with his friend about someone who loves and cares, you think we should share with our friends someone who loves and cares for us? 
I think so. You remember the very first words that Jesus spoke to the disciples after the resurrection? Now they were in our upper room and they were fearful for their very lives. And, and their leader, who was Jesus, was dead as far as they was concerned. Their future was very uncertain. Listen to what it says here in John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, that evening on the first day of the week, day of the resurrection there, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Because peace eliminates fear. Peace is the opposite of anxiety and worry. And Jesus said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Not fear be with you. Peace be with you. And listen to what it says in John 14, 27. Jesus said, I am leaving you with the gift. Now, how much do you have to pay at Christmas when somebody gives you a gift? If it's a gift, you don't pay nothing for it, do you? It's a gift. And Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and peace of heart. And, and it don't cost you a penny, but you got to do something. You got to receive it. You got to accept it. You can leave a, a gift sitting under your Christmas tree 12 months out of the year and never open the thing. Couldn't you? You could. But that's not the wisest thing to do, you know. Anyhow, going back over here. To John chapter 20, verse 20, it says, And as he spoke, he just said, Peace be with you. He says, And as he spoke, he held out his hands for them to see, and, and, and he showed them his, his side. Ah, over here, and, and they were filled with they were filled with joy when they saw their Lord. He, he had been dead. They saw him nailed, and they saw the spirit. They saw him taken down, and they saw his lifeless body put into a tomb. They knew he was dead. They saw the beaten. And it says here, they were filled with joy. That would take a miracle for somebody to be alive after that when they saw their Lord. I'm going to tell you something. He's still offering peace today. He's offering every man, every woman, every boy and girl, no matter how old you are, he's offering you peace this very day. You know? Do, do you have peace? And in, uh, you know, very difficult times. He's offering that to you. Are you carrying two burdens that are just too heavy for you to carry? Are you going to leave those burdens here today? Or wherever you're at while you're listening to this message, are you going to leave those burdens so Jesus can deal with those things? Because he can deal with them. You and I can't, you know. Are you going to turn those burdens over to Jesus, you know? Because it, it's the best trade going on. You give Jesus all your burdens that are weighing you down, and he gives you peace. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. You just got to believe it, and you got to receive it, you know. Well, we've been reading through John 20, 19, and we read verse 20. Now let's, now let's read verse 21. It says, he spoke to them again. He's spoken three verses. He spoke to them again, and he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me into this whole world, I'm sending you guys, and you got my peace. You got the peace. In 1990, newspaper reporters reported that city workers 
in Newport Beach, California, were sifting through two and a half tons of trash looking for $42,500 mistakenly discarded at the Great American Bank and hauled off by the garbage trucks. That's a significant loss of money, but it's only money. The loss of human lives and souls is infinitely more significant. Sharing good news with our friends deserves our very best efforts, like that little dog did. He, he got a little dog that was hurt, and he took him and introduced him to a man who had helped him once upon a time. And though we might dig through two and a half tons of garbage to find $42,000 that had mistakenly been thrown out in the garbage, and we would dig through that and not mind getting filthy and dirty, would we do something similar for men and women, boys and girls, who desperately need peace right now? And we know how to get it. We know who's got it. His name's Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. How can I repay you, ask a person of a friend who had done him a great favor? I shall forever be indebted to you for your kindness. Not necessarily, answered the friend. If you really want to repay me, you keep your eyes open for somebody who needs help as badly as you did and help them. If you're willing to do this, I'll be fully repaid and I'll enjoy the warm feeling that someday, through you, I'll help another person that I don't even know. So just pay it forward, you know. Romans chapter 10 verse 15 says, And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? I send you all. Because that's what Jesus said, go into all the earth. How can they, they go if, without being sent? That is what the scripture means when they say, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Good news of peace. Peace in your heart and your soul and your mind. And a wholeness. Nahum chapter 1 verse 15 says, Look, a messenger is coming over the mountains with good news. He's bringing a message of what? Of peace. Is that messenger that the Bible is talking about? Is that, is that messenger you? Look, exclamation, a messenger is coming over the mountains with some good news. Woo! He's bringing a message of, of peace. Being called to a hospital late one night, I was walking down the semi-dark hall with no one around. A man suddenly ran out of one of the patient rooms. He ran up to me. I had never seen him before. And he said to me with joy in his face, she's going to make it. She's better. She's going to make it. And then he made his way on down the hall. And I have not seen the man since. And I do not know who he was talking about. I assume it was someone very near and dear to him. And he had just received some good news. He could not wait to share. He didn't even have to know the person with whom he shared it. It just flowed from him because he had to... He had received good news, and good news is to be shared. Oh, man. 
You, you, you can't keep it in. You really can't keep it in. Let's see. I need a volunteer. One that's very close to me. You'll do fine, dear. Now, we just brought some of our shoes. You can come right over here. And we're just going to put our shoes on. There you go. These are actually some of our boots that we use climbing up the mountain. We are kind of prepared right now for more wintry times of the year. <laughs> These here are called, does anybody know what they're called? Crampons. That's exactly right. And why do you have crampons? You know what? Traction. You got ice, you got something that's really slippery, and you got crampons, so you got traction. Oh, I was supposed to have my mask on. Oh, my. I'm always getting in trouble. You all see how much trouble I get into at home. Oh, man. I just looked up, hearing everybody talking through whiskers. Whispers, I mean. I'm talking through whiskers, though. Okay. You laughing at me, dear? Yes. You are. It's a hoot to live at our house. I tell you what. This girl here is so funny. <laughs> she is. <laughs> okay. You know what? If everybody wasn't wearing a mask, I'd get somebody to come up here and help me. But that's okay. I can do it. No, that's all right. I'm going to beat you. You got one more shoe. I got one more shoe to get on to. You, you got to be careful, though. When you're hiking with some crampons, and these aren't really, really aggressive ones, there are some ones, there's some that are much more technical, they're much more aggressive, and you put them on. But if you ever jump off of a, of a little high spot and you jump down to an old rotten log, sometimes you can't get off of that rascal for a little while. Because your feet are stuck. <laughs> so you got to be careful. And you don't want to step on your own foot either. Because you just don't want to do that. Uh, let me see if I can get this one on. Two. You beat me. Uh, yeah, I run. Energy there, didn't I? See my little thing, my jig. It's got to cover your nose. But if I leave it on my nose, it goes up and covers my eyes too. And I can't see what to do. Oh, my. <laughs> okay. All right. And you say, what in the world are they putting them things on their feet for? I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun. Uh, you know. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Woohoo. All right. Be careful now. Going up the steps here, okay, dear? <laughs> okay. Uh, you gonna come up here? You're not sure? Okay. Now, once upon a time, you actually got hurt twice. One time going down our driveway with some ice and stuff. You slid out into the road, didn't you? Going to get some mail? Yeah. You think you'd have slid out into the road with them on? 
Actually, I was, I was pushing the garbage down. Oh, you're taking the garbage down. Yeah. Yep, and you slid out into the road. You want to sit there for a minute? Okay. Let me see one of them. Those are probably not going to slide too much if you got ice on your driveway, right? And these are probably not going to slide too much either, are they? You know? Just like if a mouse comes running around here and I go, gotcha! <laughs> okay. I was just teasing. Whew, okay. Where was we at? Oh, I was going to read you a verse. I don't have to wear this up here. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man. Now I can breathe. That's why we got it, huh? No, you got to sit right there. Because you laughed at me. Okay. I just want to read you a verse. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, it's talking about the armor of God. We're only talking about the shoes. It says, for shoes, you know, it talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, you know, your, your loins are girded about with truth, your, your shield of faith and the sword of the sword, you, you know. And then it says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Did you know in Bible days, during the, the, the Roman soldiers, and all, they had boots, they had great big metal spikes built into their boots like crampons. Did you know that? But do you know what it did for them? It gave them unbelievable traction. And I'm talking about foundation, where I shall not be moved. You better get away from me. You know, I'm not going to be moved because I've got traction. I'm not going to slip and slide because I've got some phenomenal traction here. And the Bible tells us that the, the boots of peace is part of the armor. So you go, oh, it was they were talking about the Roman armor there. We understand that. And we understand that the Roman soldiers, they had these spikes made into their boots, and you, did, you got out of their way, man. They had tremendous traction, and you didn't want them walking over top of you either. You know, that's for sure. And it says that right here in uh, Ephesians 6.15, for shoes, you and I put on the peace that comes from the good news. And when we're sharing the good news, we just read about, look, there's somebody coming over the mountain bringing a message. The message of what? It's a message of peace. And these things are specifically made for the mountain. You know, and, and you got inclines and hills and slopes and, and all those things, and you get tremendous traction. And you can make it where other people couldn't make it. I got snowshoes that's got these same kind of grippers all over, and you can, with snowshoes on, you can walk up the mountain and behind my house. You can walk up and over top of boulders like this because they got these big old strong metal cleats in it. And I'm telling you, what happens when you and I have peace, we've got traction. We've got traction. You know, all the parts of the armor of God, we think, oh, we got the shoes of peace. But they're awesome. They give us traction. And, and that peace brings with it, you know, a fully equipped security guard, if you would. His name's Peace, and He's going to guard you and protect your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Um, it's almost impossible to see a rainbow and not point it out to someone. Is that true? 
Think about it. It's the kind of thing that just must be shared. You see one, a rainbow, and you want to tell somebody about it. And if you're all by yourself and you see a rainbow, it's frustrating. The, The good news about God's peace is such a beautiful expression of God's love. You just want to share it. Rainbows and little puppy with his puppy friend. And we want to share the good news with other people about during a pandemic. I mean, during times that seem hopeless, uh, where we're uh, all hearing all kinds of anxious thoughts and ideas, that, that we can have peace that passes all understanding. Peace that guards, protects your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion. You know, He's not the author of confusion, but of what? God is the author of peace, and He wants you to have peace, and He wants you to have a good foundation. He wants you to have the full armor of God, but you've got a foundation that you cannot be moved. You're not going to be shaken, man. You've got foundation that the kind that God wants you to have. He tells us here in Isaiah 57, 1, it says, The godly often die before their time, and no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. For the godly will die. For the godly who die will rest in peace. But that peace that all so many of my loved ones are experiencing now, that peace, having peace with God, gives us the peace of God right now while we're in a very dangerous and a a very difficult world right now, that peace is available to all of us. Listen to what it says here in Luke chapter 14, verse 23. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone to find, everyone you find to come so that the house will be full. And let me read you my verse. I think I read this to you a week or so ago. And it is my verse, but you can borrow it and use it for a little while, okay? Uh, I even let my wife use it sometimes, you know. But I feel like it was personally just written for me. Matthew 11, 28 in the Message Bible. And it says, are you tired? You ever get tired? Worn out? You ever get burned out on religion? Just rules and regulations, you know? Don't do this, do do that, you know? It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? And Jesus is saying, he says, come to me. And, 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 and there's tenderness in that voice. Come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. Do you, you feel like you've lost a little piece of your life somewhere along the line and you need to recover your life? He says, get away with me and you'll recover your life and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Do you need a real rest? I've been telling my wife I needed some rest, didn't I, you know? And the only time I've had rest a couple of times, where did I get the rest at? I just get a little privacy, a little solitude with God up on the mountain. And he recharges my battery in amazing ways. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then Jesus says, walk with me. Here we see it again. And work with me. How do we work? Letting other people. You, you won't believe it. It's probably but up on the top of a mountain in a private and a wilderness setting, we talk to people. 
we talk to people and we we tell them about who we are and we own this little piece of property up on top of the mountain and this, that, and another and all of this. And anyhow, before we know it, we know some close friends of theirs. They know some close friends of ours. So you end up doing the work of God even in a wilderness setting. How about that? I would tell you it was a righteousness that they know, but I'm not going to tell you that. Okay. Anyhow, listen to the rest of this verse. Walk with me and work with me. You know, let, let people know about the good news. Watch how I do it. That's what Jesus, watch how I do it. Follow my example is what he's talking about. He says, and learn the unforced. This is not forced on you. This is not demanded. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Grace is God's. It's his what? You know? It's his enabling power. Oh. Learn the unforced rhythms of God's enabling power. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Whatever God gives us is going to fit us and suit us just right. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. That's what Jesus is saying. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I don't know if that, whatever that speaks to on the inside of you, do you want to live freely? Do you want to live lightly? As I get older, I tell you, I used to carry a 70-pound backpack. Every time I went out backpacking, I carried 70 pounds minimum. You know? I don't carry that much no more. I'm learning to travel a little lighter. I don't have to carry quite so much stuff no more. And I want to learn to live lightly, to live freely and to live lightly in the peace that he gives us. It happens. It does. Can uh, anybody here gardeners, anybody here plant anything? Plant something? Can you plant green beans or lima beans? Can you? I'm telling you stuff that we planted. These are pole beans. Lima beans are pole beans. Can you imagine that? Can you plant tomatoes? Can you, dear? Everything I'm going to tell you here is we planted some in the garden. Can you plant watermelons or cucumbers or onions or carrots or cabbages? Can you can't plant Snickers bars? No, you can't plant Snickers bars, so we don't eat them no more. Can you plant cabbage, spaghetti, butternut, acorn, zucchini? I saw squash. Can you plant those? You can plant them in corn and rutabagas and potatoes, you know, and beets. Can you plant lettuce and okra and kale and peppers and collards and Brussels sprouts? <laughs> you know, some kids are going, you just lost me, you know. Can you plant Jerusalem artichokes? You're going, oh, what? Has nothing to do with Jerusalem? Has nothing to do with artichokes, but they're awesome. They'll come back every year. Well, I ask you all that for this very reason. Can you plant peace? You know? How would you plant peace? Just think about it for a moment. Did you read about the little boy who uh, returned home after his first Sunday school class? And his mother asked, Who was your teacher? And the little boy answered, I don't remember her name, but she must have been Jesus' grandmother because she didn't talk about anybody else. Jesus this and Jesus that. Does our conversation reflect our love for Jesus? That's my question to you right now. Would our words give away 
our relationship with Jesus. You must be one of them Jesus lovers, you know, people might would say. Listen to what it says here in, in James chapter 3, verse 13. It says, And those who are peacemakers, and you and I can not only receive the peace of God, but we can make peace. We can be a peacemaker. Some people are peace breakers, but I'm talking about a peacemaker. And those who are peacemakers will plant, what's that say? Seeds of peace. Wow. Peacemakers will plant not cabbages, not tomatoes and watermelons, not lettuce, but peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. I mean, you tell folks the good news about what Christ has done for you and what he'll do for them. I just got just a couple more little things. Jesus might come back before I see you next time. So I just got to say, just a couple more little things, real, real, real quick. There's a group of prospectors, and they set out from Ban. Bannock, Montana, then the capital of the state in search for gold. And they went through many hardships and several of them of that little company, they actually died en route. Finally, they were overtaken by the Indians who took their good horses and they left them only a few of the limping horses. And then they threatened them, telling them to get back to Bannock and stay there. And if we ever see you again, they told them, we'll murder the whole lot of you. Defeated, discouraged, and downhearted, the prospectors sought to make their way back to the capital city. On one occasion, they tethered out the limping ponies on a creekside. One of the men casually picked up a little stone from the creek bed, and he called to his buddy for a hammer, and upon cracking the rock, he said, It looks as though there may be gold here. And the two of them panned gold for the rest of the afternoon and managed to discover about $12 worth of gold. The entire little company panned gold the next day in the same creek and discovered another $50 worth of gold, a sum, a great sum in those days. They said to one another, now we have struck it. And they made their way back uh, to Bannock and they vowed not to breathe a word about uh, finding the gold. They secretively set about re-equipping themselves with supplies for another prospecting trip. But when they got ready to go back, 300 men followed them. Who had told on them? Nobody. Their beaming faces betrayed the secret. Because they were glowing. Now if we have captivated Jesus... And we have an awesome, fantastic relationship with him, whom having not seen, we love him. We should be unable to conceal the treasure of our beaming faces gives away the treasure that we have found in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. One day a, a woman was crossing the street at London Station, and an old man, he stopped her and he said to her, Excuse me, ma'am, but I want to thank you. And she looked up and exclaimed, well, thank me? He replied, yes, ma'am. I used to be a ticket collector, and whenever you went by, you always gave me a cheerful smile and a good morning. And I knew that smile must come from inside somewhere. And then one morning, I saw a little Bible in your hand. So I bought one, two, and I found Jesus as my Savior, 
And I just wanted to tell you thank you. Is Jesus obvious in us? Is His peace obvious in us even in difficult times? It's God's peace that says, I don't understand everything, but I, I'll just rest in God and He'll bring me through. It's God's peace that says, though an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. It's God's peace that says, if God be for us, who can be against us? It's God's peace that says, I will trust the Lord and not fear what man can do unto me. It's God's peace that says, I know who I have believed in and I am persuaded that He is able to keep me and all that I have committed to Him until that day. We acquire His peace by admitting that we need it. Believing that God offers it and then by receiving it. So what I want to do right now, I want to come over there, but I'm going to stay right here. Just by habit. But I want to give you opportunity to reaffirm your faith in God and ask Him to restore the joy of your salvation. And if you don't have that joy, that you would receive what you believe. You believe in Jesus. I know you do but that you'll receive Him, accept Him into your life, into your body, into your mind, in your soul, your thinking capacity, your, your emotions, that you'll receive Jesus Christ into all of your life. And it will become obvious to everybody, starting in your home. It genuinely will. And I want to pray with you right now. And those of you who are watching us, wherever you're watching from, I want to give you opportunity to receive what you believe to receive Jesus in your life as your Savior, as your Lord, as your soon-coming King. Would you join me right now as we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your Son, Jesus. I believe that Jesus gave His life for me. So I could be made whole that I could be healed. I received Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, Almighty God, for all that you have done for me. And help me to share the good news with others you bring across my path. In Jesus' name.